Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. thrones trailer just i just want you to stop just tell me what one thing stuck out to you most what one thing um i i you know i'm i hate to sound like a broken record but it's all it's all the brand it's all brand the lack of brand lack of brand that's what i mean from talking about it last time too same thing where's brand he has to play in this season i know yeah what is up with brand is that why they're beyond the wall I think that's why probably why they're playing on the wall. I don't know. Like I is it uh like with Bran it's you got to figure that it's too spoilery to show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, or he he dies in like episode 1. No. Maybe it's like a Rickon kind of thing where it's like yeah. boom like, over episode fast. episode 1 he's just cut down and it's done. That would be so RR Martiny. <laughs> could you imagine if that yeah, happened that would be oh be pretty good. man like he dies john actually dies and uh like daenerys dies and then we start this was all a dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> like rob wakes up and he's still king of the north and it's fine it is also geez this is really a fantasy um heavy in the fantasy baseball side of things uh week harry potter turns 20 he does indeed, which means he actually turns, you know, however we old, because however old we are, because he's basically our age. Yeah, exactly. That was what was awesome about that book series. He's like basically your age. He's got a very similar birthday to you, doesn't he? I think he's. I think he's actually the year before us. But ooh, is but it one a, year before us? Oh, maybe a, I read it a year later. He's a late he summer. Yeah, he's here. he's a he's like mid mid to late summer. So maybe maybe yeah. we'll have to celebrate his his birthday. We might have to do some fantasy birthdays at some point. But how do you we, feel how do you feel about we, Harry Potter Harry Potter turning 20? It's insane. It feels it still feels like a new thing, Harry Potter phenomenon, but it's already been, you know, around the block a couple times. All right, well, let's get to some baseball here. I got a couple of topics for you that I just um, was aware of this week. The real MLB standings. Have you been paying attention much to the real M- MLB standings? I know that every once in a while we do this exercise of like, huh, did you know that team was doing well? <laughs> you know, I. it's funny because I tuned back in the other day and realized like the NL, the NL playoffs are basically already set. <laughs> like, huh, what a bummer. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, you missed the, it. You know, I, it, I the reason I tuned in was because of that on the occasion of the the Twins getting swept by the Cleveland Indians and just being like, oh, oh yeah, and then you realize that you guys were dropping below. Yeah. Why were were you surprised by something in the past week? Well, that was one. I I did the same thing. I it was like announced that the Twins fell behind the Indians. And I was like, <laughs> they were ahead of the Indians. That is insane. 
And uh, and then I was looking around, and the NL West is insane. Dodgers, Diamondback, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. I wait, wait, wait. I said Rockies. I yeah, but the but the Rockies, Rockies the th- have a six hundred average. Well, yeah, but all they had. They're above 600 right now. They're so good, though. Their offense is ridiculous, and it's not just cores. If you isolate their road stats, they're also I know. It's Mark Reynolds. Oh, it's not just Mark Reynolds, but, I mean, it's Charlie... Mm, I don't know. It's Charlie Blackman Blackman leading off and leading the league in RBIs. I mean... Yeah, that just blows my mind. It doesn't make sense. Mike, have you seen any of these videos of the freeze? I have seen it. You know, it's weird because I feel like I only ever see his losses, and then I have to go and dig up his wins. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Well, yeah. It's sort of like it only comes up when he when he loses one, but then the only videos that you can find are people falling. Yeah, so the freeze is this <laughs> this gimmick that the Braves have cooked up where it turns out one of their grounds crew members is is pretty fast. And so they dress him up <laughs> in a, a, a baby blue bodysuit and put ski goggles on him and have him race the warning track against some fan, all of which I'm assuming are some severe level of intoxicated based on how they run. Oh, most, most definitely. <laughs> I don't know what inning they're doing this in, but it's got to be late. These guys have clearly had a few beers. And the concept is is that they let the, the fan get out to just what appears to be an insurmountable lead. And then they have the freeze takeoff. And yeah. he, his winning percentage is pretty high, actually, if you look at the, the real stats. But he is not... Uh, but he's been doing really well i think well the the thing that's in their favor in his favor is that even when he loses i mean he's given them such a ridiculous head start that it's like embarrassing right that it doesn't matter (laughs) so it doesn't it none of it matters yeah all right this week eric is gonna reprise some of his segment on fawar digging into the pitching side And then I'm going to follow up with one of the categories here, looking specifically at something that we explored very early on in the season, which is strikeouts and trying to explore some of the interesting things that are going on this year. Take it away, Eric. Last week, I talked about an update to our hitting FAWAR model. FAWAR is Fantasy Wins Above Replacement, a statistic that borrows from the MLB's Wins Above Replacement metrics. To uh, This metric approximates each fantasy baseball player's value when compared with a replacement level player. So the concept is that you have a base level kind of player and you're trying to understand what a certain player brings to the table above that replacement level player. So this model that I put together, that we put together, is really data intensive. First, the model considers each scoring category individually. This means a FOWAR value is assigned for each category. Second, the model is disaggregate, and it considers every player across weeks instead of just season totals. Third, the model considers each position uniquely. Replacement stat value is assigned for each category for each position. Lots of data, right, Mike? (laughs) I love using tons of data. So the hitting model is still a work in progress, but last week I made some progress 
on the hitting side by hemming in what the four values are supposed to mean. Supposed to mean. Uh, which means that I can then alter the model to try to approximate what it's supposed to mean. Well, drunk on the slim successes of last week, I decided <laughs> I should dust off the pitching for model. I emailed you that I did some thinking on pitching for on my commute the other morning, and I think I figured out how to address the issues we ran into last year in identifying replacement level. The issue, the main issue that we ran into last year in identifying replacement level is trying to understand some of the game theory about how many players a team should have, thus defining what the replacement level is for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that was what the kind of issue really well, sure. turned down I, to. And I, I'm curious to hear what you did. I mean, I can think of offhand a few ways to tackle this. You either go, well, you pretend like, okay, well, this person is rostering only pitchers. They don't have any bench hitting space. Or you mm-hmm. push for, okay, well, only the top, say, 200 pitchers in the league are ever going to, sh- ever should be owned, and you treat everything past that as replacement. Okay. Well, you're probably not going to like what, <laughs> what I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm excited then. Okay. So um, to backtrack a tiny bit, hitting four uses positional rankings to identify replacement. For hitting, the runs total for the 13th best player at first base is replacement level, etc., etc., for all the other positions and categories and whatnot. Hmm. For pitching, this gets convoluted because that means we identify the 13th best starting pitcher, then the 25th, then the 37th, etc. Same for, uh, for relief pitchers. But it's not really rooted in the way we play. Instead, I had this idea that we use innings our league and most other leagues have innings minimums and some even have innings maximums. Mm -hmm. Um, So I say we use innings to determine replacement level. Instead of taking the first X players off the board, we take the first X innings off the board. We can determine the innings based off of our 30 innings. That's our league minimum and split into split that into starting pitching and relief pitching. I don't understand why you didn't think I would like this. This sounds great. Oh no, this is this is good. You you you'll see what you don't like down oh, the line. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. I'm excited then. All right, and let's also call a spade a spade. For the ratio stats, we are interested in the numerators of the counting stats. Uh, this means all the category for war are based on counting stats and ensures that we aren't factoring ERA and WHIP. What do I mean by this? So. The ratio stats, ERA and WHIP, are really difficult to figure out the replacement level and factoring, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. So what I'm saying is instead of thinking of them as ratio statistics, why don't we talk about the statistics that are the numerator in these? Um, so in earned run average, earned runs, and in WHIP, walks plus hits. You know, that makes it a lot a lot simpler and i will say mike that did work <laughs> i feel good about that uh, that was something i mean that's something that we explored with batting average before yes exactly we already did this with batting average just looking straight at hits and a year later mike did some <laughs> research that provided <laughs> us with some theoretical backup <laughs> all right so boom so on the theoretical side i felt like i was money 
How do you think it went? I'm going to guess that this was ambiguous in its interpretation. Mm, close. A little bit. <laughs> I'll All give right. you half credit. All right, fine. So, Fair enough. So the innings idea is flawless, theoretically. <laughs> sure. But doesn't actually address the repla- replacement level problem. There's so many statements that I love like that. This is flawless, theoretically. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what the big issue is? Is is two-star pitchers. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, yep, yep. Two-star pitchers who kill it um, <laughs> also kill this uh, theoretical idea of using using innings. Because instead of, the, it, like, if some, like, say Chris Archer, because I like him, um, say he goes 16 innings in a week <laughs> and doesn't have any earned runs mm-hmm. which you know uh, maybe this is a dream of mine but that then that like really blows off some of my assumptions about like trying to like average out and an average starting pitcher would have like five innings mm-hmm. so that that's basically three starts um that are being accrued by one player so it's all actually hurting it no i i'm just really intrigued by that something that i hadn't thought of it's a great problem yeah, so and on most weeks there are two two-star pitchers that just you know take away the first 30 innings sure. of, of sure. the week. Yeah. So didn't really work as planned, but I do like that this is setting the the um setting kind of the replacement level based in fact. So it really feels a little bit, um, it feels a little bit more robust than just kind of saying like, I don't know, you just take away the first 13 <laughs> positions and we're, we're all set. So I think the other thing that's making this a little bit more difficult than it needs to be is that defining what replacement level is to me has always been imagining that we have four starting pitching slots, three relief pitching slots in our 12-team league. Instead of saying who is the 49th best starting pitcher, you know, four starting pitchers times 12 plus one, um, I'm imagining each slot by itself. So 13th hmm. best starting pitcher, et cetera. And I think that makes it complicated. It really changes what this means. But again, this is a relativistic kind of metric. So it's more important that we're consistent than it is we hmm. that we have, again, on the precision versus accuracy kind of deal we'd rather be more precise than be accurate right because we can change <laughs> change that mark anyways why don't i just why don't i just say the top 12 pitchers that this gave me the aggregate aggregating the disaggregate four model i'm excited said you know who the number one pitcher is i mean it's through first 12 weeks well i can't i can't be positive it's gonna be either be chris sale or Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Okay. The model is in love with Max Scherzer. Chris Sale is actually number six. The model does not like Chris Sale. And from being a Red Sox fan who has actually been there for a couple of games, I can Mm -hmm. imagine why the model does not like Chris Sale. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's funny because when we get to my segment, we're going to hear about a model that loves Chris Sale. But (laughs) Well, it'll be a K model. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the number two player... Raciel Iglesias. Now, this gets to the um, Bastardo engaged nefariously. 
a starting pitching eligible <laughs> relief pitcher will always destroy this model because they are getting essentially extra credit for every single save. So the n- number three pitcher, Keichel. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's funny because I would think that I would think that he would be he would be weighted in a metric that that considers losses because he hasn't lost yet this year. Yeah, but he has won pretty pretty darn well. It's true. Has he has he actually has he been passed? Is there a 10 game winner in the AL yet? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked that. We'll uh we'll have to update our listeners later. So, one issue with this model is it does put Clayton Kershaw number 4. I I mean, I think yeah, that's that's an issue in the sense that like if you if you ever have a two-start week with Clayton Kershaw, there's no way that anyone beats him. Oh yeah, no, exactly. But, you know, Clayton Kershaw has time. Um, so, again, Max Scherzer, Rafael Iglesias, Dallas Keuchel, Clayton Kershaw, Bud Norris, and then we have Chris Sale and Alex Wood. It gets weird down here in the second half, I have to say. Like, I'm looking, I'm looking at this list. One through six, well, sure, feel fine about it. Seven through 12. I'll, t- I'll tell you why Alex Wood is there and why we can try to address that in the model. Irvin Santana is throwing the laces off of the ball, and who knows how, probably black magic. Jason Vargas, also unsustainable, and smoke and mirrors. Lance McCullers is going to throw his arm out again. And then Jeff Hoffman and Jose Barrios are the... Jeff Hoffman is a rookie as well, right? Yes. The rookies who are just hit killing the league just a couple of home runs and and both of them are going to be sunk but those are the top 12 pitchers right now so i i think that this is this is going to be a really useful model going forward and we're making progress in it and we are hopeful that we're going to share more and more of these results with everyone mm-hmm. eric's finally become an official resident of my home state here are his thoughts I was going to show you that I have a Minnesota driver's license now. Oh, you do? Oh, man. I know, fucking slumming it. Well, th- those aren't even valid. Those are, like, barely valid for anywhere. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly. My point, exactly. When are they moving to the, like, the ones that are actually compatible? That's, like, not for a while, isn't it? When I asked the DMV representative, the response was, eh. I don't know. We're supposed to be told about that soon, but I haven't heard anything. We talked a little bit about strikeouts in the very first podcast of this year. And on the occasion of Eric building the four model, I thought that I would go back and look at delve deep on this one category. See how some of the things that we talked about in that first podcast are still um, are doing in their relevance now. Now, Eric, what you might have forgotten from that first podcast is that we noted some discrepancies between the projected categories, the projected statistics, and what had actually transpired in 2016. Do you remember us talking about this? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. You you don't have you can say no, it's fine. <laughs> we uh what one of the things that we noted is that in 2017 there were in if you're looking at just the projections nine guys were slated to throw 200 Ks yeah. Um, in 2016, yeah. but actually 11 guys had realized 200 Ks in 2016. Okay, 
It actually got even worse if you looked at the number of guys that were projected for 200 innings in 2017 versus the number of guys who actually threw 200 innings in 2017. So we were looking at yeah. in the, the model that we were using, it was 12 guys were projected for 200, 16 guys actually hit 200 in 2016. Now, 2017 for pitching has been even maybe a little weirder than we thought it was going to be. You care to guess how many guys, and I'll talk you through this in a second, care to guess how many guys are on track for 200 strikeouts in 2017? Ooh, oh boy. There are more than usual, right? So I think there's like 20? 19. You were close. Oh, okay. you, were, you were doing right. pretty good. Um, it, it depends. It, there's a couple things that it depends on with the last couple guys in there. So let me, I'll talk you through the details in a second, but you care to guess how many guys are slated to throw uh, 300 strikeouts? Uh, are there, there are like four guys right now? It's just two actually. And this is why I was so surprised when we were talking about Fawar that the value wasn't higher. Chris Sale and Max Scherzer, basically no matter what yeah. way you slice it, unless they get hurt, they're going to throw 300 strikeouts, which is nuts. That's insane. Yeah, absolutely nuts. <laughs> 300 strikeouts would be, I mean, that would just be an absolute coup. Like, you had guys throwing 270 last year, one guy, but, you know, 300 is just, feels like an almost insurmountable number. Uh, yeah, absolutely. These days, it's it's rare. I mean... It's super rare. But the thing, so let me talk you through the different components of of the model here for how I actually got to this. Um, the thing that stands out to me that's the craziest is how many innings do you think those two guys are slated to throw? <laughs> uh, at the end of the year? End of the year. I mean, yeah. those are, what, like 230s? So I've got them both at 220-ish. And the reason yeah, that I have yeah, it like that's that... that's so few and so here's the years past. I know. For 300 strikeouts, that's absolutely nuts. So here's here's my big question and the big question in general with forecasting this is how many more starts are they actually going to get because the way that i've been mm. building this model is basing it off of how many starts i think guys will have going forward now yeah. in general everyone's pretty much at 15 starts right now and what do you think of a full season as for starts i'm curious what your number is i know what mine is i mean i always say 32 yeah i say 32 is kevin well. McHale. <laughs> oh interesting so you're more of a kevin McHale than a larry bird kind of guy i think that 33 is really pushing it these days <laughs> all right well so here's what i did is i i ran out the model with both 16 more starts and 17 more starts and the reason that i did it like this instead of prorating um, the number of innings that they've thrown by, say, normalizing to something like 200 innings, is I wanted to try and get around a little bit of those those sneaky model predictions that we talked about before about guys that are actually hurt. So mm, in general, yeah. what I'm looking at is every projection that I'm saying now is saying, okay, these guys are not going to get hurt going forward, but I'm totally comfortable baking in all of the injuries that they had prior to this. I considered both the 16 and 17 uh, more start models. And what it means when you actually get to 16, the curve of the strikeouts versus pitcher ranking 
is very similar. So despite the fact that I've heard a lot of press about strikeouts being up this year, it doesn't actually seem like that's true. Do you feel like that's true or where that's com- have any sense of where that's coming from? Well, the strikeouts are up, but those are all being crewed by mill relievers. Yeah, that's the only thing that I would say is that actually pitchers 1 through 75 are accruing strikeouts at the normal rate. Pitchers 75 mm-hmm. through 125 are accruing at a much higher rate than expected. Yes, yeah, that that as well, right. The um, not even second tier, we're talking like the four starters are yeah. getting so many strikeouts. And and actually, I mean, by that time, you're you're really getting into relievers, potentially. Yeah, the guys who are <laughs> the Alberto Marias. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Now, I don't want to necessarily toot our own horn, but if you go back to what we said in our first podcast of this year... Robbie Ray! <laughs> you know who's still on, tra- on track for 200 strikeouts? Absolutely, Robbie Ray. Yeah, but (laughs) I have him. I you know I'll just go out on a limb here. I have Robbie Ray slated for 246 strikeouts. So, but this actually to me begs the question, and this is not to to bring us back to not just being a pure baseball podcast, which is what does this all? What do these predictions all mean for fantasy? I mean, we're seeing. I've I've got at least like 15 guys that I'm pretty sure are going to hit 200 Ks, including some real surprises. Like Luis Severino is basically on track for 200 Ks, yep. no matter what way you slice it. Um, Lance McCullers, unless he blows his arm out, is on track for 200 Ks. Yu Darvish is back to form. He's looking like he's going to hit 200 Ks again this year. So what does it mean when you have all these guys that are going out there to throw 200 Ks for their fantasy value? And I, I just don't know. Do you have a simple answer for this? No, absolutely not. <laughs> if you did, you'd be winning our league is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. That is, that is probably where I'd be at. So do you? In, when something like this happens, are you devaluing Ks or are you, are you chasing that number? Because I'm currently in a strategy where I'm, I'm chasing Ks. I'm trying to win Ks every week and hoping that I win ERA and WHIP once in a while but I'm not sure what your strategy is or what you idealize your strategy as. I, I'm not sure what my strategy is this year. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Um, I, yeah, no, I, I think that I ran into the same problem that you did on, on the batting average, which mm. was that I had the plan that worked in theory um, about, you know, you're going to try to limit the um, ERA and whip and then, you know, have beat, I guess, competitive in case. And it just never, it it doesn't really work. All of a sudden there'll be a week where it's like, wow, I have a 2.5 ERA and like I've had everybody go and it's like, wow, it worked this week, but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't always work because of my, my blow up theory, which is just like, you know, every once in a while a player will have a blow up. And if you have two players blow up, then you're screwed for the week. If you were hedging on, if you were hoping on ERA and WHIP, so um, I avoided um, K's this year, and it doesn't seem to be, it didn't seem to be the right approach. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious, is that like, is that really a fantasy strategy shortcoming this year? I mean, was it that 
Like you just didn't stand a chance because K's are somewhat elevated this year that since you, you know, made the very, very reasonable strategic choice to not go all in on K's that you just got hurt by how baseball appears to be going this year. Uh, no, I think that there's that there is something that we need to look into, which is hmm. that uh, the ERA and WHIP is also down for a lot of those K pitchers. All right, so we actually just maybe uncovered, we actually maybe just turned over some stones that would be pretty interesting for us to look at in future weeks. But I think our big takeaway here is that Strikeouts are a little bit elevated, but I still feel comfortable at this point in the season starting to forecast season-end totals. And I'm going to keep track of these, and I'll, I'll be honest about where I'm at as we're going forward through the season. But I'm not sure if we're in agreement yet about, or even worse than not in agreement, I'm not even sure that we have a real strategy about what to do with Ks this year. I think that some of the conventional wisdom that we both held about how to strategize in fantasy for k's is jumping out the window so i i agree with that i hate to say that you're gonna have to tune in in the future for more advice but i think all i can do right now is is tell you what i'm projecting guys to get and uh let you draw your own inferences and we'll we'll give you some feedback in the future sounds good all right, Mike, you want to wrap this sucker up? No, because the first topic that you put on here um, is is an interesting one. And the only reason that I don't want to talk about it is because I'm not ready to jinx the Wolves' future dynasty. <laughs> the dynasty without Ricky Rubio? <laughs> He's not getting traded. Who, who are they going to give him to? I have no idea. He's, I don't know why also, they would get rid of him. He's also, I mean, I, I don't know what you think of Jimmy Bond, Butler's defense, but Ricky Rubio is the only legit plus defender on the Wolves right now. Okay, all right. This I, Someone has to address this fallacy. Ricky Rubio is not a plus defender. He is not a good okay, defender. Okay, he's the least minus defender on the Wolves? No, Wiggins is, Wiggins is going to be the best defender and part of the oh, reason no, no, why no. his numbers maybe going to be but is he now oh yeah no i would say okay. that you think so they just put him they just gave him weird assignments but he was a, i mean come on he had to face the number one guy on every single team this year that is what tips does <laughs> we're gonna make the playoffs yeah that's gonna be awesome we're gonna make the playoffs i don't care if we're the eighth seed and we get destroyed by golden state in the first round we're gonna do it yeah, yeah. I mean, you could get the seven seed and get destroyed by the Spurs. Preferably, we could get to the six seed and get destroyed by the Rockets. <sighs> yeah, you might have a fighter's chance in that one. No, we, we definitely don't, but it'd be fun. I cannot believe that a Minnesota franchise fleeced a Chicago franchise. <laughs> that is that is a rare a rare showing for us. But I, I you know, I, I feel I feel rude, man. I have to ask. How do you feel about your draft? I mean I I really wish that that third pick had been traded. I think Wow. That... So you would you would have traded down again. Oh no, I wouldn't have traded down. I mean no, I mean traded for an asset like Jimmy Butler or Paul George or Kristaps. 
the Kristaps thing is hilarious, and I don't even know what to make of that. And I feel bad for anyone that's a New York Knicks fan if he actually leaves <laughs> or gets traded. He's not leaving. <laughs> he can't leave. Let me let me, let yeah, me rephrase. No, I... He's not walking. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that brings us to the review session. Delta cookies or Biscoff cookies yeah the reason the only reason that i'm pushing back on delta cookies is that i know that you and i are both good minneapolis st paul flyers and we know these as delta cookies because we are big delta patrons but i was on an american flight i had these cookies really i did not know that i was wondering i spent some time wondering if this is american just agreeing okay everybody loves these damn cookies like we better just give them to people well, did you hear the news story? It was that Delta was like, we are going to modernize what we offer on the planes, and we are going to have all new, all new things with like, like real Snyder pretzels, and we will have real, um, whatever the heck that peanut company, <laughs> wonderful peanuts or whatever. And then we're going to get these. We're going to replace the cookies, and then there was like an uproar from the delta frequent flyer miles like no 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 you can't get rid of the cookies so i don't know if other airlines also had that that same phenomenon i think i think they may have i think they may have picked up on it recently because i also had it in my head that these were a delta exclusive but that doesn't seem to be the case i actually saw them at costco oh but we've buried the lead here do you like them so i'll give you a little story i'll take you down memory lane <laughs> <laughs> I was do. I was a strict no thank you whenever they offered any of those things. Okay. And then I was on a flight. I do not remember when, but I think it was in college era. And the person next to me said, "Oh, can I have your can you can you get the cookies and I'll have your cookies?" And then she explained to me the cookies were the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I was like, you know what? The next time I was on a flight, I was like, you know, what? let me just, let me just, I'll, I'll have the cookies. I'll, I'll go for the cookies. They are pretty darn good at thirty thousand feet. <laughs> they, I don't know. They really do just kind of hit the spot. One problem: do get in the teeth, just stuck in the Ooh, teeth. Oh, great! Yeah, you got, you got to have a drink to follow them up. I totally agree. But I have to, now I'm actually kind of curious. Do you think that next time we're in the same place that we should try and get some of these and try them at, you know, sea level? Like, is this just a 30,000 foot experience? Maybe we, we should give them a try <laughs> at sea level. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, we, I we mean, should give it a try. I, I don't know. Everything's different. I mean, I think we can both agree that beers taste better at 30,000 feet. So is it the type of thing where like, Biscoff has just found this random cookie, these set of ingredients that taste better at 30,000 feet. And if you get them to sea level, you're like, why did I like this? <laughs> or is it just that your options are so limited? Ooh. See, this is a classic wins above replacement. <laughs> the cookies are so much better than the replacement peanuts. Yeah, you know what? We need to be describing the four metric in terms of Biscoff cookies. Ooh, we could we could give that a try. So you are have you always been a Delta cookie person? Oh, always pro. But the thing is is that I love the early morning flights and if you've never dipped them in coffee, you are not living. I do not believe I have. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. Man. I will have to give it a try. All right. 
Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send, it, send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too. Yeah!